Hello and welcome to another episode of The Coder Career with me, Cameron Blackwood. On The Coder Career, we like to discuss people's journeys about how they got into technology, how they're making money using their programming skills, and what the future looks like for them and the industry as a whole. Today's guest is Shanice Semper. Shanice is a consultant at Infinity Works who are experts in cloud delivery. Shanice herself specializes in data, making this a different episode from usual where we'll usually more focus on web development. We discuss how Shanice switched careers into the world of data engineering, what a typical day looks like for her, and whether you should be a consultant and how it can be a massive advantage if you're a career changer. Please do check out Startup Grad Jobs, which is my new project. You can find it at startupgradjobs.com. Infinity Works have advertised their roles on there before, so it's always worth checking out uh, the website for both that and other awesome roles. But until then, enjoy the show, and here is my chat with Shanice Semper. Hey, Shanice, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Not bad. I'm uh, enjoying the enjoying the long weekend. Um, can't complain. It's nice to have nice to have the third yeah. day off, and uh, appreciate you joining me on uh, on what is effectively now the weekend. So for those for those who aren't in the UK, we get um, quite a lot of bank holidays through May. Actually, I think we're going to get three or four, which you know, not bad, not a bad result. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So for people who haven't come across you before, do you want to explain a little bit about who you are and what you currently are up to? Cool. So my name is Shanice. I am currently working in Infinity Rights part of Accenture as a consultant, um, software consultant, which basically means we work with other clients and whatever their problem is, we try and come in and try to solve it, however that may be. Or if not solve it, at least, you know, work with the team that's already existing there. Um, I've been working as a data engineer. That's been like my speciality for a little bit which just means working with other data scientists, working with other data engineers, kind of exploring how all this immense amount of data that we have available to us can actually be accessed and used to inform some really cool decisions. And so that's been fun. Before this, though, this is actually my first tech role. Before this, my background is completely, completely non-tech. I worked in like sales, I worked in HR for a bit, worked in recruitment, and I actually did my undergraduate study in economics. So very mixed bag background, but I have been enjoying this journey so far. I think this is my second year, year two in tech. I'm constantly learning, constantly developing. It's been really fun so far. Yeah, I think once you get into that second year of um, of tech, it's like you're suddenly a bit more comfortable with everything and it's a lot more like you can start to enjoy it a lot more. I, I remember my first year, I was constantly scared uh, of like doing the wrong thing or breaking stuff. And um, I think what I've learned is everyone breaks stuff sometimes. Oh, yes. uh, from the most senior developers in the world break stuff. So yeah, it's just a fact of life and it's sometimes you got to embrace it. Uh, so yeah, it's... Um, it's always good to uh, always good to feature other career changes on here um, as well, because obviously, as the regular listeners will know, um, I, I've done the same thing. So, what what originally gave you the idea to sort of say, okay, I've, I've explored the more commercial side of business and the operations side. Um, I want to get into the engineering, and I want to see how this all works. Where did that inspiration come from? Um, so, I think in my day to day role, I was doing a lot of interacting with people which is cool you know you get to learn about how people think learn what motivates them but I think I wanted something that would challenge me in a different way and so I started being interested in data in general and I signed up to do a master's in data analysis so while I was doing that I started looking for jobs on the side that I could do 
that would help me, I suppose, improve whatever data skills. And I was looking at really, I was looking at from data entry to data science. I hadn't really yeah. kind of honed in on where I wanted to go. But I just thought, like, especially now when, like, the words big data, the phrase big data keeps being thrown around, I thought, okay, it's a really cool place kind of to see how, you know, how to make sense of it and how it actually can impact the world. Um, so I was doing my master's and then I came across this course. It was like a short course and it was being offered through Generation, which is like a charity that helps place young people in work. And they were offering a data engineering course. So it was three months, quite intense, nine to five. And the facilitators of that course was actually Infinity Works. And because they come from, you know, software engineering, that's their platform. That was my introduction to software engineering in general. So it was almost like an accident, but a happy accident, I suppose, because I was searching for, okay, which part of data do I want to get into? Found this, and I just thought, okay, must be fate. That's fantastic. And I think there's a real lesson to be learned there for people listening. Um, A lot of the time, people don't think strategically about their career change and they don't realize how many organizations are actually out there specifically to help people try and break into tech. Like we all know there's no secret globally, but especially in the UK that we have so many vacancies and it's not in a vacuum. They're doing stuff to try and help people get into it. So it's, it's a major thing where now, you know, there are a lot of organizations out there. I'll, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, Generation was the one you just said, but uh, there's definitely a few and I'll list them in the the description. But, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of roots into it, and you know, it, it's one of the best ways to do it because you know it, it's backed by good organisations like Infinity Works that um, that support people getting into it, um, and data as well. Is a I think that's that's the other cool part about what you did there is that a lot of the time when people advise you to learn to code, either inadvertently or, or not, a lot of the time it basically could be said that they're saying like learn web development, mm-hmm. and actually. If anything, data is bigger and it's growing more rapidly. Like it's it's a really exciting niche to get into. It, was that a conscious decision for you to get into data um, in particular, and and how come? Yes, to a certain degree, because yes, I was interested in data in general. The reason being why I think maybe it has something to do with my economics degree. I think mm-hmm. in economics you kind of talk about why people make certain choices, and data kind of. I suppose provides data, I'm using the word in two separate ways, to kind of back that um, sort of ideology. So I was interested in it in general, and but in software, like, like you said, there's so many different ways you can take your career in that, because there was, there was a bit that I was really interested in, like, design and, like, front-end type things, but then I just kind of enjoyed as well the back-end side of things and building systems and pipelines to help get data from one place to another. I kind of saw it as something that is necessary but maybe not as well supported as other areas i know that within even if into rights there was a massive push to kind of bring in persons who had been working in data who had been like data specialists so i think i don't know if it is as companies are kind of recognizing they have all this masses of data but they don't really have an efficient way to use it that there's a push for it but i just saw it as okay this is an area It's not new, but it's still kind of new at the same time. And I could basically learn from people who have been in the field while also kind of getting real life um, application. I thought it was really cool. 
Yeah, it, it, it's exploded over the last 10 years or so. As you say, companies sitting on all this data. And um, it, it's funny, I, I can't remember uh, which episode it was, but I was listening to one of the uh, Founders podcast series, and oh. it was about one of the, I think it must have been Airbnb, uh, about how they were pioneers of data science oh. and how in 2009, companies were just, you know, it was whatever. The, the term data-driven decision mm-hmm. wasn't, really that much of a thing and now suddenly you know in the grand scheme of things that wasn't that long ago and now it's absolutely massive i mean my, my day job is for a large uh, large uk retailer and the amount of data engineering that gets done to just improve uh, what we do day to day not even in terms of what we present to the customers to sell more it's things like how do we know when to get stuff back in stock in what stores and that kind of thing it's absolutely massive so it's i can imagine it's really cool and i could definitely imagine the economic side of things helping you there um although as they always say first rule of economics is consumers aren't rational so i guess yeah absolutely i think that's one of the biggest things about technology careers is we can afford to go and figure these things oh. out um as we go along and there's a skill in there's a skill in self-teaching and um i always think one the it's a bit of a corny expression but i always think everyone's self-taught um in in technology because the it changes so quickly that we have to we have to get good at self-teaching i mean for um from your side you've been doing it for a couple of years now uh, and obviously as part of that you're going through a lot of like improvement of on, on your own skills how do you find once someone's broken into it that uh what's the best way of avoiding plateauing and continuing to improve upon your technical skills um i suppose not being one of the things i would say is not being afraid to learn new skills so recently i switched clients and because of that i was switching mm-hmm. you know the tech stuff that i was working with i was switching the business context and the actual problem that was being solved and at first i was a bit weary because i'm moving away from something i knew had been using for you know, a year and a bit to something that was basically new. And there was a bit of reservation on my part, like, oh, I'm starting all over. But just kind of seeing it as an opportunity to expand your skill set and realizing that it's not really starting over because you're just building on the skills that you already have. Because as much as languages might be different and frameworks might be different, the concepts that exist within software pretty similar once you kind of have the basic concepts down and you kind of understand that and you've kind of formed your own mental picture of how the concepts work and interact with each other it's easier to pick up new skills so in terms of not plateauing not being afraid not being afraid to step outside whatever your comfort zone is is one good way i'd say yeah, a hundred percent. Because something that I always come back to is the fundamentals never change, as you just said. And um, a lot of the time, people that aren't in the industry um, assume because they hear the term programming language, and uh-huh. it's a natural assumption for them to think, oh, it's just like a human language. And you know, if I learn English, then it's going to be just as much effort for me to learn Arabic if I already know Chinese, um, for instance. Um, and it's never going to get easier over time. But actually. It's just a completely different setup and people shouldn't be afraid of going and tackling subsequent stuff because it's not always going to be as hard as when you're first self-teaching. Like I remember 
I remember there was uh, when I was first learning JavaScript and I was trying to figure out how loops worked mm-hmm. and doing a zero index and stuff like that. And I just couldn't get my head around it. And I just thought, I'm too stupid for this. That was, <laughs> I remember just sitting there with like my head in my hands at my desk at like 11 p.m. at night trying to do this stupid exercise on Codecademy. And I remember it was such a goofy exercise as well. It was... Um, make uh make whale sounds uh like do it do an english to whale translator and it was uh just replace all of the letters with e's and o's uh so it sounds like a whale and it was the most ridiculous exercise and i remember just sitting there thinking i'm so frustrated at this i'm I'm like a i'm like a grown-up who can't figure out how to to translate this into whale talk um and i felt yeah i just felt so stupid um but it's one of those ones where you, you just end up over time these things come naturally and we're we're always harder on ourselves and our expectations to kind of learn new things in terms of i suppose the speed in which you kind of expect yourself to grasp something new than other people are on us it's like joining a team like you kind of forget that other people have gone through that experience so they know they don't expect you to be however you expect yourself to be just there's a massive difference between how we see ourselves negatively and how other people see us um probably imposter syndrome but whatever the phrase the correct phrase is it's something that most people who are in tech kind of suffer with and because most people suffer with it they kind of understand it's just like a little loop yeah no exactly and i i think that's huge and i think it's funny isn't it because i do feel like imposter syndrome is one of the biggest things that particularly career changes like us we mm-hmm. do end up naturally talking about it quite a lot um, and I couldn't help but always compare myself with the comp side grads. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because so many people have it and yet it doesn't stop it. <laughs> I mean, for anyone who maybe isn't familiar from your side, what, what do you think imposter syndrome is and how can people go about helping themselves with it? I think it's this irrational fear that you are the absolute worst at whatever you're doing. <laughs> And everyone knows that you're the worst at what you're doing. And everyone's judging you in their minds. That's, that's how I would phrase it. Um, but yeah, it's just this this thought that, you know, you are not doing what you need to do and everyone can just see, looks at you and they know that you are an imposter in this situation. Like, that's just generally how you feel. Um, how to overcome it? Do you ever? I don't know. Maybe how to cope with it. Kind of like stopping yourself in the tr- in like your stopping your thought process in the tracks when it first comes up and you kind of recognize it for what it is and you're like oh that's not real that's me you know basically lying to myself and so yeah I don't know if you ever just kind of get out of it because as you said even people who've been in the field for ages and ages still kind of go through it but recognizing it and not letting it derail your life I suppose yeah. I can I can relate to that because it's like I remember um, my first ever full time uh, web dev job. Mm. I every day when I would finish, I would before my probation, I would just like be having dinner with my girlfriend. She'd be like, "How was your day?" And I'd be like, "I feel like a fraud. I'm a fraud. <laughs> uh, they've hired me accidentally. They've I've talked my way into this, yeah. and I'm gonna get let go on probation. I'm I'm panicking, uh, and then it was fine." <laughs> in the end and it often is and even if it's not a lot of the time you end up picking skills to, to um to to work on to work on and, and build on in the future anyway so it's so common and everyone gets it and i think what's important to remember is that um i think it was similar to what you said earlier how we we often remember what other people have done very right and we're very unlikely to even notice someone else's mistakes or uh that kind of thing so it's very common for humans 
because I think most people, particularly if they've ended up in the industry, are on the perfectionist spectrum in terms of you know they're they're quite driven because you have to be to self to self teach and um and career change and I think we end up comparing ourselves to everyone else but not as you said acknowledging the fact that maybe other people have weak spots that we don't and as career changes we can lean on our previous careers in ways that other people can't I mean is is there anything you've done in your um previous work before being uh being in engineering that you've found useful that maybe other people wouldn't have been able to take advantage of um I think what is commonly referred to as like soft skills you know you know being yeah. able to communicate um an idea is something mm. that I didn't even recognize was a skill that I had until you know you have had to put it in practice and you kind of recognize oh this is not necessarily a natural thing that everyone does you don't even realize sometimes how you've honed skills in other careers and other experiences that you've had Definitely. so because for example, I was working in sales and a big part of sales is just making friends with people. <laughs> and <laughs> it's something that comes, I suppose, almost easily to me now. So it's helpful for like client engagements because before you actually talk about what you need to do, you know, be, being able to make the other person comfortable is important. But you don't realize that, oh yeah, this is an actual skill that you can actually put into practice. So things like that, so it's communicating especially communicating complex ideas in simple ways is a really important skill. I, I still am working on it, but I realized that my starting position, because of the experiences I've had, might not be someone else's starting position from that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a lot of the time we don't realize that we have those additional skills. I've definitely found the same thing because I also didn't realize, and this is a critical point, I didn't realize how commercial any kind of engineering job actually is mm -hmm. and how much as you say as of, of a value add it is to have some client facing skills i mean especially doing what you do i can imagine because i'm i'm in supply chains all i do is deal with internal stakeholders in, in my day-to-day -day work but obviously as a consultant you're dealing with the client themselves i mean what's a day in a life like um for a consultant actually like what do you what do you do for someone that's never been in that side of things before I guess, it, to be fair, before I'm going to preface my answer by saying it really depends on the client and what the project you're working on is. But for me personally, you know, you wake up, you probably sign in, you do a couple of admin things, you have your first stand-up meeting. Um, depending on the size of the team, you might just talk through what you worked on yesterday. If you've had any, if you have any blockers, um, point out if you want to pair with anyone. Probably do some work individually on your own might pair with someone else. Um, during the week, sometimes we have meetings to kind of elaborate on different tickets to just understand what it, what the person who wrote the ticket kind of meant from a business point of view, as opposed to like a technical point of view, and kind of try to merge those two worlds together. Um, what else do we do? I don't know. A day, a day really do kind of depends on what's going on. The day... I would say my days are pretty flexible, so I can kind of decide to a certain degree how my day is going to run. Um, I think the only constant is we do have meetings, at least with the team, at least once a day. But that's my only constant, constant. Everything else depends. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And would you say it's usually quite a good role for career changes because you do end up with that best of both worlds where you're dealing with the client and you're dealing with, um, with the technology? I definitely have enjoyed it. I think at the time, of me wanting to do a career change, I was looking for something that would challenge me. Definitely found that. <laughs> yeah, I am definitely challenged. But I also was looking for something that had the same sort of level of comfort with the people I was working on 
working with rather and I have that as well so it is the you know yeah best of both worlds um type of role yeah yeah, I, I've all, I've always wondered about it actually. So I've never never really done any kind of uh, consultancy role, and I've always thought it must be must be an interesting one because sometimes you get client requirements changing, and you have to think on your feet a little bit, and the client wants something done a certain way, even if you maybe disagree. I guess you've maybe had some situations like that where it's hard to hard to balance with what the client wants, even if you yeah. think there may be a better solution. Yeah, and you know, you never know. What you're gonna, you might end up with a client that's really difficult. You might end up with a client that's really accommodating. You never really know, but you do have to kind of draw on whatever skills you have of negotiating or whatever else to, you know, forge a path through that, which, well, it's important. And that's probably important in any role. I do think, though, that there are people who don't like the consultancy because they just want to code or they're just interested in the tech and that is their only interest, which is fair enough. But for me, I do prefer the consultancy side of things like the tech is really interesting and it's really cool to build things but if it wasn't balanced with that client's engagement i don't know how yeah i don't i don't think that type of role would be for me i do like yeah it's always a good question for people to ask in interviews, I think. Uh, and I, I think maybe people either don't think to answer it or they're worried it comes across as a red flag um, where they say, like, how much time am I spent coding versus how much time am I doing stakeholder management? And, um, you know, the the stereotypical developer never wants to do any stakeholder management. They just want to co code code. But actually, yeah. there's not that many people like that. It's, it's a spectrum um, where, you know, I'm, I'm probably 50-50. Like, I, I really don't mind doing the stakeholder management, but also I love getting stuck into some code. Um, and it's, it's worth, it's worth people asking because interviews, I always say to people, interviews are a two-way process. Um, and it's very much about, you've got to find out if that employer is for you, especially in a market like technology, where, as we discussed, the market is luckily for us in our favor, uh, as engineers. So we can be, we can afford to be a little bit more picky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree. yeah. Yeah. And we touched on the technology a bit there. Um, for you at the, at the moment, what do you find your day-to-day stack is when you're doing data engineering? Ooh. To be fair, recently I've been doing less. I've been interacting with the data a bit less and now mm-hmm. I've sort of shifted a bit to more platform building things. Oh, cool. Um, so I've been using Terraform quite a bit now. And it's a new client, so I'm still kind of getting to grips with their tech stack that they end up using. They also do some front development things. So they use um, AppStream quite a bit. They are using a lot of API gateways. They use a lot of AWS kind of cool things as well. Um, I actually had to code something in HTML and I hadn't done that for a long time. <laughs> a long, long time. Um, but so it's, it's a mix. But yeah, I think I haven't, as opposed to my last role where I was involved, it was in like Spark Technologies. I don't see that as much now. So it's a bit different infrastructure platform still cool but different yeah i guess that, that's something that people should remember as well is that um you know the tech stack that you're working on can and will chop and change like uh for me i mainly do front end but i've flipped between react and angular more times than i can i can count it just depends on the requirements either of a client or a stakeholder depending on um the kind of setup uh you're, you're in i mean if people want to learn the technologies that you're working on at the moment, is there any particular resources that you think are good that they can check out? I think looking at projects that have already been written using whatever you want to check out and just checking their GitHub pages is something that recently has mm. been useful to me. Kind of seeing an already finished thing or something that's 
in the process and then going back to the source code and recognizing, okay, that's how they did that and that's how they linked that in. That's been really useful to me kind of learning um, new tech. Outside of that, almost any technology you can think of, if you type it in, they probably have some like help page or like this is for beginners page, which I also find very useful. <laughs> so I think there's a mix of both things. Yeah, in my in my first job, someone one of the senior engineers said to me, "No one uses the manual," uh, and oh. they were referring to the documentation. and And it, it's a good point. Like a lot of the time, the answers you, you're looking for are just contained in that documentation. And I'm the first to admit I can be very impatient and slide through the documentation and miss miss the answer, which I very embarrassingly did on an open um, on a uh, open source project recently where I went on their Discord and publicly said to the founder, this should really be in the docs. And he linked it to me and he was like, what, you mean this? And I was like, mm, yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who uses a certain email tool, um, if you look back at a message towards the end of April from me, you can see me make a fool of myself um, on, a, uh, on a Discord conversation. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it, it's a huge one. And I definitely, it's funny you say that you just uh, have recently started doing that with looking at the full size project, because that is something I've started doing this year as well and it is it is such a hack to um understand how stuff's built like it's i i can't believe i never thought to do it before yeah, but actually just just going cloning it to your machine i don't know why uh, I, f I feel silly almost saying this but it, it felt a bit illegal sometimes <laughs> just cl cloning something to my machine um and having just having a poke through but it's open source for a reason so mm -hmm. you know they don't have a problem with people doing that and it, it's a really good way of understanding um how and why uh things work the way they do and definitely people shouldn't be afraid to do that and the other thing i'd say as well particularly for front-end work um jumping into dependencies uh and, and libraries and understanding what they're doing uh i always kind of thought of them as magic a little bit before i started really getting into them and it suddenly became a lot less intimidating like we were talking about imposter syndrome earlier and I did just think that certain developers were just magic, like these like celebrity open source people. And, you know, they're, they're just humans. Yeah. Like, they're probably very smart, but they're just humans. So their code is the same code as ours. We can just have a have a look and, and see what we can learn from it. So I totally agree. That's um, it's really good. And for for people who are kind of in the position you were in a couple of years ago where they're, they're keen to do something uh, on the on the spectrum of data or, or even just technology in general. Um, do you have any advice you would you would give to them at the moment? Just just do it. Take the jump. Take the leap. <laughs> I do think uh, there's so many really good programs out there that support people who are looking to career change and especially people who are trying to get into tech. Um, I know you said you're going to link them later, so check those out. <laughs> and they provide support not just in like learning something new but sometimes also placing you in a place that will be able to support you as you go about your journey of changing careers and learning and developing in this new sort of scenario um so i would say just take the plunge just do it um at the very least if you don't like it you can always change your career again like you that's the thing <laughs> i never thought this, i remember when i was growing up um, I always knew I was going to go to university. Like my parents are very into education, but I generally thought that that was like just the path. That this is what people did, and I there was so much pressure to kind of decide what I wanted to do. Like you know, people ask you, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I said so many things when I was growing up. I wanted to be a pediatrician. I wanted to be a dentist. I wanted to be an accountant. You actually have the control to do almost anything you want to do, and if you don't like what you do, just change it again. That's my advice. Just try it. Who knows? <laughs>
just yeah it, it's it's weird people that there's almost a stigma against just get, getting into something just trying it and like why not like it's never gonna be a bad thing having programming languages on your cv even if you just give it a, give, give it a crack and then you decide after 18 months is not for you then you're just a more valuable employee doing something else like there are all kinds of jobs where you know having a bit of coding knowledge but it's only something you do on the side is so useful like all kinds of analyst jobs um particularly for startups like um I, yeah, there's a multitude of jobs around like business analysts and that kind of thing where maybe you're only coding 20% of the time, but actually, yeah, I, I totally agree. There's all kinds of stuff. And, you know, even if you just go back to doing what you did before, it's still useful. Like say if I decided to go back, I would have been a technical recruiter who now knows how to code. So it would have added extra value to me. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with just trying it and seeing, and if you love it, you love it. If you don't, like you said, you're still getting valuable experience. There's no, the pressure that we sometimes put on ourselves to have things figured out, it's not okay. It's not just internal, but a lot of it is internal. And if we can kind of break ourselves out of that, we would do so many things that we never thought that we were capable of. Yeah. And to use an economics and business term, um, we really suffer from the sunk cost fallacy uh, in, in our careers as people. And um, people think, oh, you know, I can't get into this because I've been doing this career for X amount of time. Um, some of the best software engineers I've ever worked with didn't start coding until they're like 40s. And it doesn't make a difference. Like it, it, you can get into this at any time. It doesn't matter how much time you put into a previous career. Like I, I was 23 when I switched and that is so young. And even then at the time I was like, oh no, I've been in technical recruitment for three years. I can't do anything else now. <laughs> like, I, <understand>. I, <laughs> I get it. But you know, yeah, life is short. You, I think that you should be enjoying your life. If you're not currently enjoying what you're doing and you want something new, go after it. Yeah, we're we're afraid of the unknown, and uh, you know, a, little, a lot of the times you take a leap into the unknown and, and try something, try something out. Chances are, you know, you'll 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 rise to the rise to the challenge, and you know, it's a silly example, but um, I'd never had a cat before uh, until last year, and I didn't really think I was a big cat guy. And eventually, um, we just got one, and I wasn't sure how I'd do with him. And you know, suddenly I rise to it, and like I'm able to look after him. And he he turned a year old a few weeks ago, and he's not dead. So uh, <laughs> I rose to the occasion of being a cat owner. And you know, you can relate that cat owner experience to whatever you're learning in technology. Um, you know, you you can definitely do it. And um, to to ground things back more into what the conversation originally started as rather than me chatting about my cat. Uh, <laughs> obviously you went, you went through the infinity works Academy, which is a really cool process. How, how, how was that? What, what's that like day to day? It was really supportive. It was intense, but supportive at the same time. If those two things could merge, mm -hmm. um, I was led, even though I had done a three month data Academy where that was my first introduction to Python and other technologies. The three-month Infinity Works Academy kind of went deeper than the things I had learned. And then we got to also work on a project with a team. And it was like an insight into what you might be doing on a client. And um, so we had stakeholders. We had to consult them for about what they wanted. So it was really cool to have that um, sort of real-life experience that still wasn't real life. And then you're also able to form good relationships with people who are at almost exactly the same career level as you because you both come into the academy together and then that support system kind of continues with you throughout your career like we've been in it we've been at Infinity Rex or I've been at Infinity Rex for two years plus now and I still 
talk to the people who was even though we're on different accounts, etc. I still go to them, still talk to them. So that is something that I think is really useful. In terms of day to day, I'm trying to remember, it seems like so long ago now. <laughs> I know we back then I think we learned we did JavaScript. I think it's changed probably through TypeScript now, new fancy language. Um, but it is gonna be a coding language, you're gonna learn some back end, gonna do some front end then put it all together to create a project at the end of it that had that you submit to your stakeholders. Yeah, and I guess the real advantage to it is the fact that it's commercially oriented. Like one of the biggest gripes I have with a lot of the learn to code stuff online is that a lot of the stuff that people are are told to work on by these courses um, is completely commercially useless. Like there's no situation where you would be asked to build a lot of the stuff that their the online courses ask you to build um, in a real life job. And ultimately that's what the vast majority of people are taking online coding classes to do. They're either trying to launch business, so they're building commercial stuff, or they're trying to get a job in a company, which is more likely. And then obviously they're being paid to build commercial stuff. And the advantage of going through a course that is um well it's provided by by an organization directly is that you're learning the skills that they place value on which means that it's the kind of skills that they're willing to pay employees for so you already know that you're learning stuff that is gonna to be frank get you paid <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's definitely definitely worth people exploring um i mean be it infinity works or, or anywhere um around schemes that are backed by companies for that very reason i'm i'm really huge on that but if people do want to get in touch with infinity works i do believe they have a september intake don't they am i right in remembering that they do yes i uh, i believe recruitment and applications are open for that now so people can go ahead and apply and hope for next yeah um and if you've got any tips do you have any tips for um how to get through the application process or anything people should uh, should um, should keep in mind i would say be authentic i mean mm. outside of yes they're, they're looking for I suppose, some interest in tech and you know basic tech skills etc um at the end of the day you you want to work in a place that you enjoy the people that you're working you enjoy the company the people that you're working with you enjoy the mentality of the people that you're working with and that can only you can only know if you're going to enjoy it if you feel free enough to be your true authentic self in your interview and i have found that because i've done a few interviews as well the back and forth goes a lot better when you can when the person who you're talking with is comfortable and free to kind of express themselves and it's okay if you don't have you know loads and loads of experience but if you are particularly passionate about something in tech being able to express that the reason you're passionate as well would be a help in your interview process yeah that makes a lot of sense it's around the attitude rather than necessarily the uh the technical skills that you currently possess because it's about your potential because it's an academy that's what they're um what what they're hiring for so that makes sense. And I, I agree with what you said about being authentic throughout the process, because as we said earlier, it's a two way street in interview. And, you know, it's just as much as no matter what level the job is, it, it's it's about you seeing if a company is, is for you as well as if it's for them, because it's a two way deal that um, that works well. And both sides are going to get lots of value out of it if it's a good fit. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah. And then in um in practical terms as well, um the job itself, do you actually have to uh do you have to travel a lot with it being consultancy or is it mainly remote first? For me, I've been working from home for a long, long time. <laughs> I <laughs> I did go into the office, I went to Leeds 
earlier in April, maybe two weeks ago. And before that, I hadn't traveled for months. I do think there is there is an element of kind of deciding what works for you. So because my client is based in Leeds, mm-hmm. they don't really expect me to travel from Birmingham to Leeds on a regular basis. There is an office in Birmingham and people do go into the office on a more regular basis, but I've been mostly remote because it works for me and my lifestyle. But for people who do want, you know, a bit more interaction, there is that option as well. There's a bit of flexibility around it. Yeah, I'm a big remote work fan as well. Um, I mean, my my office is 450 miles away, so um, it's not exactly practical uh, for me to go <laughs> more than once oh or twice God. a month. Like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's usually a 4 a.m. alarm uh, and first flight down to London. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those ones that I personally find that I, I'm much more productive at home because I can just, just crack on. And then when I do go and see the team, it's a purely social occasion. Um, I'm it's not that I mind office chatter it's just that I'm incredibly easily distracted and I'm the kind of guy where if I'm tapped on the shoulder then I will have no self-control and chat with someone for over an hour and like, <laughs> so I find remote work is quite a product productivity hack for me like that fair enough yeah I agree I am easily distracted as well so that's probably why I enjoy I do, I do think that when I work at home I do get more work than than when I go to the office um if that's a good thing i don't know if it's a bad thing but that's what it is yeah well it's yeah and it's it's important for people to remember as well with consultancy jobs a lot of time people assume because you're dealing with a client they assume you're gonna have to be rocking up at the client's um, office every day and obviously these days it's 2023 we don't need to do that anymore so you can push your code remotely yeah it definitely change things yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so if people want to hear a little bit more uh, from you and keep up with what you're um, up to, what, what's the best way for people to reach you? I am not very active on social media. I have multiple times considered like starting a page kind of talking about my journey in tech, but I've not really done that. Well, you, so. you should do it. You should do it for sure. <laughs> right now, the best way would probably just be my LinkedIn page, but I'm pretty sure it's just my name, Shani Sampin, and that'll be the best way, I think. Brilliant. Cool. So thanks so much for coming on today. It was really, uh, really good to speak. And um, the listeners won't know this, but I appreciate you coming back again after my uh, my microphone corrupted itself. Um, so this has been your second time on the Coder Career, but the first one um, will be uh, lost to the sounds of time because my audio <laughs> file corrupted. Um, so thank you um, extra uh, for coming on twice. <laughs> no problem at all. My fingers are crossed for this one. We'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, believe me, my fingers and toes are crossed for this. Um, that microphone. Honestly, but yeah, th- thanks again, Janice. And if listeners want to hear more from the Coda Career, we are in your RSS feed every other Monday. Thanks for listening.